Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW Talknet. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thanks for joining us. A busy week. We have a new president. It's the Biden administration. And Judicial Watch is ready with uh, all, uh, basically lawsuits already in place over uh, some Biden issues you'll want to hear about. I've got some reaction to impeachment and um, really just kind of a, a bringing up the speed as to where things stand uh, in terms of the rule of law crisis, which has now worsened under the Biden administration. Well, we have a new president uh, on January 6th, excuse me, January 20th, he was sworn into office and uh, he gave a speech. And you know, I kind of, like everyone else, I'm watching the television coverage of it. And I'm thinking, did these commentators watch the same speech that I watched? Because I thought it was a terrible speech. I thought it was awful. It was full of anti-American, totalitarian leftist tropes. He talked about systemic racism, which is an anti-American slur and smear. And he talked about targeting his political opponents. See, when he says that you have to oppose white supremacists, when he says you have to oppose lies and truth, he's talking about his political opponents because the left-wing definition of white supremacists includes everyone who opposes their agenda. They use uh, this, they smear their opponents as racist, irrespective of the reality. So this was a, a speech that was, in my view, I hate to use this uh, hackneyed phrase, but a dog whistle to the left uh, and to, to big tech, keep on suppressing your opposition. Keep on taking steps to effectively outlaw dissent here in the United States. So I, would, I didn't think it was a great speech at all. So, and as head of Judicial Watch, uh, I'm concerned uh, that uh, he was promoting attacks on the rule of law. When you start talking about systemic racism, you're attacking the foundations of society. Because if everything is systematically racist, that means it has to be overturned. And nothing the government does is done um, uh, within the law. Heck, sure enough, uh, uh, on Inauguration Day, I think since uh, the Antifa insurrectionists, the leftist insurrectionists that the left likes, were out in Portland and Seattle engaging in insurrection, violence. So uh, this is a... um, this is going to be a challenge. This is going to be a challenge. I don't want to overstate the challenge, but I'm terribly concerned that the Biden administration, uh, based on what I heard, is going to use the levers of power, as the Obama administration did, uh, to target uh, the political opposition. Now, I don't know what President Biden's thinking. I, I think he has significant cognitive challenges. I really do. Uh, that's not a corruption issue. Maybe it is because other people may know about it and don't want to do anything about it. And they've got positive moral obligations and constitutional obligations to do something about it. Uh, But uh, 
I, I think the Biden administration, it's clear, is going to be like the Obama administration. The question is, will it be worse in terms of abuse or slightly better? Uh, I think it's going to be worse uh, because uh, Obama uh, talked a good game initially and uh, at least pretended to reach out his hand. Uh, for, uh, President Biden's calls for unity while suggesting he's going to um, go to war against his political opposition. Uh, we, we all know that where that's going. We all know where that's going. When we saw under Obama, he used the IRS, the FBI, the CIA, CIA uh, National Security Council, excuse me, the National Security Administration, Security Agency, excuse me, NSA, to target his political opposition. Not only President Trump or then candidate Trump, but little old citizens just trying to be active in a Tea Party movement. So don't think your belief you're beneath noticed by the totalitarian left. Don't you're not beneath notice. If you become active in politics, whether it be on Facebook, on Twitter, or locally, just through an ordinary civic engagement, you will be targeted or you're subject to being targeted. I don't want to say you will be targeted. And unfortunately, that's something you need to, to uh, calculate when you speak out. Will you be retaliated against by either the government or in, in some cases, businesses that are really operating hand in glove with the government uh, to suppress free thinking and free thought? You know, you have, a, you, you have a right to have your opinion. You have a right to your opinion. And you have a right to express it within limits. Advocating violence, things like that, that's not, that's not protected speech, but you already know that, right? Uh, but the left doesn't believe you have a right to your opinion. They don't. I am still locked out of Twitter. <laughs> still locked out of Twitter. I posted a straightforward tweet about hydroxychloroquine that I posted repeatedly and that Twitter had specifically found to be not to be, excuse me, found to be in compliance with the rules, not in violation of its rules, to be clear. They sent me the note. I have the email. Someone complained about you, what you said about hydroxychloroquine safety. And we found it not to be uh, in violation of our rules. And then two weeks ago, they said, you not only need to take that down because it violates our COVID policy, whatever that is. Did you know that Twitter, by the way, is expert on health and health interventions? Do you know that? Just so you know. Uh, on top of being expert on election fraud, on top of being expert on virtually every other public policy issue, because their expertise gives them the ability to say what is acceptable and not, just so you know that. It's a remarkable power they have, isn't it? So they told me to take it down. And if I didn't take it, and if I took it down, they'd be locked, they'd lock me out for seven days. They said, you can appeal. So I appealed. It's been two weeks. No, complete silence. And as I've discussed last week, uh, Google and YouTube are censoring, um, proactively censoring. They've warned, if you post this, we will take it down. If you post questions about election integrity that we don't like, we will take it down. And of course, Facebook is censoring and suppressing stuff all the time. At, 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 the, at the request of government officials, politicians who have been pressuring them. So don't say this is, that. first of all, whether this is private and not covered by the First Amendment is a 
is a disputed legal point. But don't pretend that the government doesn't have a say in what's happening here. Because you have government officials pressuring these private companies to suppress their political opposition, which is what they're doing. What a favor to Joe Biden Twitter has done in deplatforming and banning President Trump. Because can you imagine what Trump's tweets would be and how controversial they'd be? In a good way. And even if you think it's in a bad way, it doesn't give you a right to suppress his speech. So Biden comes in, and, and this is this is generally my view on, on President Biden and, and kind of where we are. I put on my political analysis hat, my political analyst hat here. You know, the, the, the left is coming in. They barely control Congress. Uh, Joe Biden is uh, uh, facing corruption allegations, which haven't disappeared. I'll talk about that later. Uh, he has to manage the, the internal warfare and the Democratic Party between the corrupt uh, corporatists uh, that re uh, really run the party uh, versus the uh, communist uh, ascendant wing of the party. And uh, his moral hold on the presidency is weakened because of the election controversies. And in addition, as I said, he faces all of these physical uh, issues that he has to contend with, given his advanced uh, age. Uh, and is it because he's old? There are people that age who couldn't probably do the job of president, I have no doubt. I mean, compare and contrast Dr. Fauci with, pres with President Biden. Same age. Does anyone have any questions about the abilities of Dr. Fauci to, I mean, other than policy issues one may have, but it shows you that age doesn't necessarily mean you can't, you know, perform those aspects of the job. So I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the presidency uh, of, of Joe Biden as a result. So it's very treacherous waters the Biden presidency is in, uh, politically at least. And uh, which makes uh, their desperate effort, which highlights why they are so desperate to destroy their political opposition, because they realize they only have a little bit of time to do it. You know, talking about throwing senators out and members of Congress out because they exercise their rights and duties under the Constitution, I would say, to raise objections to the election. And trying to try, trying to try tie those objections to violence so you're not you know objecting to them is this you're a terrorist you're a terrorist if you object to that to whatever the policy they have i mean that's their thinking that's their thinking i mean you've, you've seen it this week you've had obama officials uh era officials start talking about oh uh, there's this movement like isis and all these terrorists here in the united states and we got to confront it they're not concerned about real terrorism there when they're talking like that. They're concerned about conservatives. <laughs> People who object to big government, overreach, high taxes, don't want unborn babies to be killed through the entire nine months of pregnancy. People who don't think we should be subsidizing foreign countries. We should secure our borders. They think you have should have no voice and they want to outlaw you. Parlor stills often. 
Pollard is still off. So, you know, the president came in with the, I think, the awful inaugural speech and uh, then immediately began undermining the rule of law. He uh, took steps through an executive order to undo the president's travel ban, which has been falsely called uh, a Muslim travel ban. It was a ban on countries who couldn't, we believe, reliably tell us who was a good and bad guy in their countries because they were anarchies, practically speaking. They were either controlled by the bad guys in their entirety, or they had systems in place uh, or not in place that were not reliable. Now, it's who knows who, who's going to be coming from those countries? Who knows? Now we're supposed to trust them. And the president's Department of Homeland Security issued a notice uh, through his acting secretary that effectively will shut down all immigration enforcement in the United States. Effectively shut down all immigration enforcement in the United States. I'm going to say it one more time. Shut down all immigration enforcement in the United States effectively. Oh, does it mean... They won't deport anyone? Of course not. But practically speaking, they won't be doing immigration enforcement anymore. Unless it's like some, and, and even then, this is an open question. Unless it's the worst of the worst and they need to be deported. Even then, there are caveats in the policy. And you can bet that even the caveats in the policy won't be followed, meaning the, because you know, people who are in ICE and, and those responsible for the interior enforcement, especially, they're not going to go put their neck on the line to uh, target illegal aliens who aren't supposed to be here. If they know their supervisors are going to rip their heads off for doing it, they're not going to do it. We're going to end. And of course, now he is also proposing, evidently, a massive amnesty for everyone who's here illegally. How does that not undermine the rule of law? So uh, what is Judicial Watch doing? Well, we've got a number of Freedom of Information Act requests about these policies. I'm sure they've gone out already, if not um, about to, uh, and or they're about to go out. Uh, we have dozens of lawsuits against the Biden administration the moment he swore his swore of, of office. Well, how does that work? Well, because we had sued the Trump administration and now it's the Biden administration. The lawsuits didn't go away. In many ways, the obstruction won't go away. I mean, one of the frustrating things I had uh, during the Trump administration is how the Justice Department and all these agencies uh, gave us uh, the, the, the stiff arm on transparency. And I've talked to you about this, how they've opposed our efforts to get accountability and the truth about the Clinton email scandals, about Barack Obama's abuses and all sorts of things like that, right? Just a few months ago, they were in court, the Justice Department under President Trump to try to shut down all of our Clinton email litigation. Shut it all down. So what is the Biden Justice Department going to do? What, what can they do that's worse? Other than saying me too. So the more things change in terms of government transparency and accountability and the obstruction of that, uh, I guess the more they remain the same. And so uh, we have dozens of lawsuits, including many over Biden's behavior as it relates to Ukraine and China and the scandals that are dogging him now. 
So all that will continue. We've got litigation to uncover or, or to try to uh, uh, clean up the rolls in, in states like Pennsylvania and North Carolina, Colorado, three lawsuits pending in federal court. If we're going to be mailing ballots, which I object to, the least we can do is make sure the rolls are as clean as they can be under law. That's not being done. So we'll be pushing that. And of course, we've got, uh, I think last I checked, 105 Freedom of Information Act or open records requests on the election itself. The media doesn't want to, the media thinks it's all done. We don't want to talk about it anymore. Well, we're going to figure out what went on. We're going to get the underlying documents as best as we're able so that people's questions can be answered and we can find any problems and educate people about what went on. And so people will have a better understanding of what went on. So if there are any changes to be made, they can make them in a more informed way. An essential public service that you can bet no one else will be doing as comprehensively and with the effectiveness that Judicial Watch will be doing. Now, speaking of which, uh, you know, that's why Judicial Watch, and we're, being, we're being targeted by Twitter and all these companies. Because effective conservative voices are something they want to shut down. I mean, Judicial Watch has a massive me social media footprint. I individually, because I'm president of Judicial Watch, and, uh, I, you know, I'm, I have a big social media footprint too. I don't, I don't deny that. And it's important. And it's an important one. And I take it seriously. I try to get the message out in an engaging way and educate people about what we're up to. And, uh, but uh, as I said, Facebook is harassing us. Twitter uh, is taking away between, I think I've lost 165,000 followers on Twitter since my since the purge has begun over there. Uh, Judicial Watch's account has lost 200,000 followers. So that's well over 10% of both of our accounts. Now, some of that, frankly, may be people are leaving Twitter. I don't know where they're going. So that's the challenge we have. And um, uh, it's because we're effective is why we're being targeted. And it's because even you are effective is why you're being targeted. So if you face these sorts of bans and lockouts and punishments, it's because they don't like what you're saying. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong necessarily. It's because they don't like what you're saying. And it's just it's just outrageous politics and abuse of power by these big tech corporations. Uh, so uh, one of the things we're doing is to educate people about the uh, corruption of Joe Biden. It didn't go away, by the way. You know, all those allegations out there, they still have to be investigated. The Justice Department and the FBI covered up the investigation, refused to move forward with it, in my view, to improperly protect him. Uh, we have Freedom Information Act lawsuits and, and requests on all of those issues. And, you know, uh, Hunter was uh, forced to admit that there was an FBI investigation that had started up after years to target him. The problem for Joe Biden, he's implicated in these issues the emails and testimony or witness statements show that he was in on the deal. His own son said he was keeping, he was paying off his father, taking money for his father. 
His father was getting a percentage. So you may be wondering why there hasn't been a special counsel. Well, there should have been one. There should have been one under Trump. And that's a further indictment of the corrupt institution known as the Justice Department. But it's really unavoidable under Biden. And I say that knowing that it's avoidable because they don't care what the rule of law is. But the regulations of the Justice Department that led to the fraudulent appointment of uh, Robert Mueller require it. So there was no credible evidence of any crimes committed by President Trump warning a special counsel targeting him or anyone close to him. Now there, But on the other hand, there's an active investigation, we are told, into Hunter Biden, his son. And as I said, it implicates the president himself. And what are the rules of the Justice Department under which President uh, Trump had his special counsel appointed to him? I'm going to read them to you, see if they apply to Joe Biden. They have to appoint a special counsel if the investigation or prosecution of the person or matter by a United States Attorney's Office or litigating division of the Department of Justice would present a conflict of interest for the department or other extraordinary circumstances, and that under the circumstances it would be in the public interest to appoint an outside special counsel to assume responsibility for the matter. So do you think there's a conflict of interest, A, and B, do you think it would be in the public interest to have a special counsel? Now, I'm not really fans of special counsels. I don't like them. I don't think they have, you know, the presidency really can't be investigated by itself. It may be unfortunate as a matter of uh, law, given uh, the corruption we now face with President Biden. But, you know, look, I've, I've lost that argument, haven't I? We had one for, Bi for Trump. And why don't we have one for Biden? So what we did was we set up a special uh, petition on change.org, which is a petition website, to demand that the Justice Department appoint a special counsel to uh, investigate these Biden corruption issues involving his family members, not just his son, it's his brother, that are also implicated, that's also implicated in this. And of course, Joe Biden himself, the president. It's... Um, it's uh, change.org. We'll put it on the thing below. Let me get it to you here. Hold on. It's change.org slash Biden special counsel. That's the petition. So sign it. I think it has almost 90,000 names already. We posted it a few days ago. So obviously there's a demand for justice here from the Justice Department. Now, is a Biden special counsel all that is necessary? Of course not. We need prosecutions of the Obamagate gang. Remember that? What's happening with Durham? And I, I know I'm speaking into the wind here with this Justice Department now, but Hillary Clinton, the statute of limitations has it run on her various issues as it relates to her emails, national security and bribe taking, it looks like. None of that's run. So we're still going to be pushing for justice. Someone's got to do it. And at least we're going to get the information out. I know a lot of you are upset that you didn't, things that happened during the Trump administration in terms of getting some of these who you consider crooks to be held accountable didn't happen. But we did our best. Um, a lot of good things did happen uh, in the sense that the president was not removed from office prematurely uh, or indicted or anything like that because we pushed back. 
We educated the American people about what went on. The corruption involved in the targeting of Trump. We saved the Trump presidency. We saved our constitution in the last term. Now it's going to be under attack again because uh, my concern is the gang that was implicated in the corruption that we heard uh, that we've spent so much time exposing, they think their conduct has been ratified. And they're going to do it again. As I said, with the Tea Party and the spying and things like that, targeting groups they don't like. They're just going to do it again and probably more of it. So we got to be prepared to push back and we do it through the law. We do it through the law. And that's what makes Judicial Watch a, a, a wonderful institution, an essential feature of our nation's public life now. And um, I don't know about you, but, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, some I hear some folks say they don't want to do anything. <laughs> We're going to defend the rule of law. That's what we do. We're not going to give up and go home. I hope you don't give up and go home. I'm excited. I'm excited because I know what we have to do. I know what Judicial Watch has to do. This is our fifth presidency since we've been around. We've been around over 26 years now, I think. I started at Judicial Watch during the Clinton administration. We were there for the Biden, for the Bush administration, for the Obama administration, and for the Trump administration. And we're here now for the Biden administration. So we're not going to give up on you. Don't worry, fair citizen. And, uh, you know, along those lines, I, I urge you to call your senators. The phone number is 202-225-3121. They're still pursuing this impeachment charade against President Trump. He's out of office. Now, I know there's a debate whether you can impeach someone or at least conduct a trial of him, impeach and or conduct a trial after uh, uh, someone leaves office, I think it's an open question. I, I, my guess is the Senate can do what it wants to do. Certainly there's precedent. It's not strong precedent, but there's precedent. And I think the constitution is vaguer than um, those who oppose a, a trial of President Trump would like to admit. But I, it's, you know, to me, it's an open question in the least. But that's not the point here, really. It's, is there any credible basis to impeach the president? There was none. It was done in a summary, lawless fashion that the president, which the president had no rights under law to contest. They wouldn't let him make a presentation or call witnesses. There were no hearings, no defense. It was summary. So all of his civil rights were rolled over. And so they're going to do that with the trial. Now, the trial can be handled in one or two. They can make the trial once evidently it's going to have, begin next week, more or less. I don't know how the schedule will go, but the articles will be sent over to the Senate next week. And uh, it's going to. And if I were uh, in the Senate, I would object to any Senate trial taking place. You know, if it were a judicial trial, there's a I'm not a lawyer. Uh, but, you know, typically, typically there are opportunities in a trial to cut it short. Let's say you have a preliminary hearing. Say, hey, there's nothing here. You can't go forward, more or less, right? That's what the Senate should be doing. Because to allow this to proceed and allow him to go on trial puts all of us potentially on the hot seat in terms of having our speech criminalized. Criminalized. Because the president said nothing that was inciting. There was no incitement under law, 
and there was no incitement morally. Now, I understand it's not a legal process per se. It's a constitutional political process. But if he is removed, or not, he can't be removed, if they, if they found him guilty, that would be uh, devastating to the First Amendment. Because it would be a green light to attack and remove others who engage in core political speech that all of a sudden would be criminalized if the left doesn't like it. And to attack citizens who engage in core criminal, uh, core political speech protected, again, by uh, the First Amendment, recognized by the First Amendment. Remember, these rights we have, they don't come from the Constitution. They're recognized in the Constitution. They come from God. So they want to overturn your God-given rights. And this impeachment attack on President Trump is part of it. So I encourage you to call your senators to let them know what you think at 202-225-3121. So as I said, we've got the lawsuits at the ready, the FOIAs at the ready. We are ready for the Biden administration. We're ready to go to court. We're ready to hold them accountable. We're ready to educate the American people. And so it's going to be a busy year for us. And uh, uh, don't despair because you have wonderful tools available to you under law. And you have a wonderful ally in Judicial Watch. So I thank you for your support. And I'll see you, uh, see you next time or next week here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.